Blog Talk Radio. There's no earthly way of knowing. Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? Directly El Camino. It would have been DWI. have reached a tipping point. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to the tipping point. Tonight's guests include Matt Sexels and Larry, <laughs> Larry Goodman. He gave me a teaser before we went on the air and said he's got something that made him sick to his stomach, and we got to hear what that is. Of course, I'm referring to Larry Goodman, the co-hostess with the mostest, and I am Stephen Platt. I'm Larry. I'm not even going to waste time with hyperbole. Larry, what you got? What made? Let what me, could make Larry Goodman? Let me get Goodman? out the Pepto-Bismol or something here. I don't know. I just uh, <laughs> spent the afternoon with uh, in one of my clients, and I'm sorry to say, who was spitting up phlegm and partially digested food in my car and then in the emergency room of the hospital, not like for 10 or 15 minutes, but like for hours. It was just, oh, <laughs> I, you know, I've, in the mental health business, I've been, I'm, I'm pretty immune to all kinds of like bodily fluid stuff and gross stuff like yeah. that. And very little of that bothers me, but this was, this was bad. So, um, I mean, the good thing is he's 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 okay, but boy, um, not <laughs> it reminded me why I'm why I'm moving towards retirement. I really don't want to do that anymore. Do that kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> so, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing better than that. Uh, so I'm I'm doing quite well actually. I'm looking forward to tonight's tipping point. We're going to have Matt Sex Sells on. Um, and ostensibly, we're going to be talking about the role of sort of, or comparing and contrasting wrestling to theater and uh, stand-up comedy and all kinds of things. And of course, that's something I'm very, very interested in and sort of patterned PCW on in a lot of ways. And so I think it's going to be a great discussion. Um, yeah, but, I uh, thought that was Larry, right up your alley. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about. It. So uh, first, I gotta hear about. So you went to your inspiration for this is you went to a play um, where the Jagged Edge performed in the play. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, he's doing a local theater uh, production uh, in Atlanta called One Man Two Governors, and it's at in in Marietta, Georgia, at this place called Arts Place. And um, he gave me a heads up about it and asked me if I wanted to come and like possibly like write a review, which I'm like, I have no, I, I know nothing about writing reviews of plays uh, or, or much about plays. My, my family did community theater uh, when I was a kid and I did a little bit of it and that's about it for me. Um, but anyway, it was really interesting to see um, Jagged Edge uh in a different context because 
he was so the, the part called for him to be a much more laid back kind of character than his wrestling character. So it was just interesting mm-hmm. to see him in a t- really toned in a really toned down and not being the dominant force that he normally is when you put a mic in front of him in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Um, but it it was a, it was a comedy and it was it was pretty entertaining. I I um you know, I have to say I had more fun there than I did at the um GPW show the next night, truth be told. Um, oh my God! Tell us about the GPW show. It's on. I mean, you know, Larry, Larry, and I will text each other. Um, you, you know, when Larry's at a show, he'll text me what the crowd is or his sort of general impressions. And you were not uh, the GPW show for for those who weren't aware. That's the one that there. Arn Anderson was going to be there, right? That was like Arn a lot Anderson. of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's something they they'd wanted to do. That it's something Arn wanted to do was to have a homecoming show in Rome. And, you know, there was some controversy about that, as we talked about on a previous show with um, uh, when we had uh, James Dillon on and had uh, Daryl Morris on about, you know, who was going to do that show. And I think they kind of got a lot of that ironed out, is that it wasn't uh, necessarily um, Phil Hefner's fault or those guys' fault the way it went. But in any case, um, GPW wound up doing it, and they had – James J. Dillon there. Um, Teddy Long was there. They were supposed to have Magnum TA. He was not there because of due to illness. And it was just um, so disappointing to have um, such a poor turnout. And I, you know, I wondered about the, as I put in my re, my report on, on GWH, that there was, you know, they they had the unfortunate timing of running the same day as the major air show that runs every year up in Rhone. Rome that draws literally seventy to eighty thousand people mm. come to this air show, and it was right down the road. Now, of course, that was a little earlier in the day, but still, that sucked a lot of money out of the market. As did the Superstar Show a few weeks earlier, sucked a lot of money out of the market. I don't know how much difference that would have made. It really <clears throat> kind of comes more to me that Georgia doesn't really honor their legends very well, and that's been true for a long time now. I don't think that. I think because of the way Georgia has changed, particularly the metro Atlanta area, um, we don't honor legends like they do, for example, in Charlotte or in Nashville when I've been to those kind of shows. It's, you don't, you don't, those people are so long gone from wrestling. You you know, Um, it was, I was reminded of the, you know, you talking about Arn Anderson and it's it's kind of his hometown and that kind of thing. Um, I had been trying to get Lita for years and I had sort of a, an in with her. And um, so I actually had like a lunch meeting um, where I was going to get a chance to sort of talk her into doing a PCW show. Cause I wanted to kind of match her up against Pandora because it was like Pandora's idol. And I thought, Oh, that'll be such a cool thing and blah, blah, blah. But Lita didn't want to do it for the exclusive reason that Atlanta was her hometown. And so hmm. she, her rationale was, cause she goes, George is just different. Like being from the place, you know, it's, people aren't going to come out and see me in Atlanta because I'm here, which I thought was strange, but then thinking about it, there's, there's a lot to that. I think there's just something about Georgia in general. Like you said, they're just, they don't really honor the legends. They wouldn't really turn out to see Lita in Georgia, but if she went somewhere else, they'd be inclined to come out and see her. Cause this is when she was doing nothing, you know, mm-hmm. she'd been out of wrestling for goodness knows how long. 
Uh, and I just remember being thoroughly disappointed, but I really couldn't argue against her logic, which, and, you know, and unfortunately, Arn, I mean, he's such a staple in Rome, Georgia, that, you know, there's, I, I don't know what the reason is exactly, but clearly, I mean, how many people would you say were there, Larry? I mean, in your report, it's about 150, is that right? Yeah, one, the 150 to 175, they they gave me a um, an actual paid number of 173. I don't I don't doubt that, um, but there were certainly no. I mean, that was it. That's all there were. Yeah. And a couple of his old friends came out. I mean, his speech was great. James J. Dillon's speech was great, um, and uh, he did have a couple of his old friends that came out from town, but. Um, Man, I don't know. I, I can't believe. I, I have to think he didn't feel like all that wonderful about that that turnout for for his homecoming. Um, and it's not like yeah, he's that distant from from all of this. I mean, he still works for WWE. I mean, I know he doesn't get TV time, or it's been a long time for any of that kind of stuff. But still, yeah, you know, that's one of the four I mean, for God's sake. Uh, and again, these guys come came from an era where drawing was everything. It's how you got paid. It's how it was the. I, I mean, I'll just put it bluntly: it was the measure of a man, was it not? And of course, I mean, in the modern game, if you don't draw, who does that fall on? Um, clearly, the promoter. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, there's no. I, I don't think there's you can put it on anything else other than the promoter and the promotion. And obviously, a lot of balls were dropped. A lot of things weren't thought of. And you know, um, I mean, how how much would that venue hold? I guess that's the other question: is 150 to 170 or whatever is, is bad for especially for that level of sort of legends that they had. But it's even worse if it's in a venue that sort of makes it worse how many how oh many yeah you say? easily easily five six hundred you know one of the superstars shows <sighs> was held at coosa valley fairgrounds and that was if i remember right that was carlito versus chip day was one of the matches on that show and i'm thinking they had five or six hundred for their show i have it somewhere in my report but uh yeah it's a big place it's it's, it's a sizable place so it, it did feel it had felt more empty because of that for sure, um, and you know I think D- Daryl and Woody were just kind of scratching their heads because they did what they thought they did good promotional work in their opinion. It's not like they slacked off it by any means in, in pr- promoting, but um, I think the timing just could not have been worse. I mean, when people have spent twenty-five to fifty dollars on that superstar shows just a couple weeks earlier, that's in the same market. That's tough. I think the tide has turned in wrestling in general as well. I mean, it's it's not that long ago, Larry, that, you know, Ring of Honor shows would bring in legends, right? You have Bruno San Martino. This is especially during the sort of Jim Cornette era. They had a Bruno San Martino or the Midnight Express and that kind of thing. It's like, oh, we'll bring, bring Bruno out in, in Pennsylvania or, you know, and that would work to an extent. But now Ring of Honor is doing, I think, I mean, it's, unexpectedly great and it's yeah we're just in an era i think where it's it's if it ain't new it's through um and that's just the way it is i you know the the only wrestling i keep up with um that i actually watch the show is new japan because they're they're on a you know one of the cable stations here and uh, so i watch those shows and it was weird to see that even the last wrestle kingdom which is the biggest show of the year it wasn't sold out like, and I remember finding that really interesting to the point where 
you know, the Rainmaker, their champion, had to cut a promo basically saying, place isn't sold out, but the next one, I'm the Rainmaker, I'm going to make the next one sold out. And I'm like, we're at the point where... (laughs) Can you could you imagine somebody cutting such a promo at a the most prominent show for a promotion basically going having to acknowledge we're not sold out, but I'm going to make us sold out. But, But the truth is, he can't. Right. There is no such thing as a rainmaker. Is there like even on like the Georgia indie level, who's a draw? Who's not? I, I mean, I don't I don't think there is a guy who's like that guy's just got star power. Now there's great performers like an Austin theory, but does Austin theory sell a ticket? I'm not so sure he does. You know, AJ Steele used to always say, basically say I'm worth a hundred dollars because there's 10 people that would buy a ticket to see me. And that's true to an extent, but I don't know. It's, it's definitely more. It's about the promotion more than it's ever been. I think that would be my argument. Yeah. Now it's going to be interesting. This is another whole nother discussion, but the the sure. what seems to be a dwindling number of main eventers in in the Georgia scene as we've lost a number of them for various reasons. We just lost another one, Cyrus the Destroyer, is out with a biceps injury that's going to keep him out for a number of months. And who's going to fill these slots? Some of the guys who are currently in them are looking, you know, looking to expand their horizons. So, um, but uh, <clears throat> I digress. I, I did just pull up the um, report from the Superstars of Wrestling at Coosa Valley. 600 standing yeah. room only. They did Oof. out there. So this, so there you go. It's a six seats, seats five to 600 out there. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, tough. It was a, 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 a tough night for um, GPW. Yeah, I'm going to be. Um, I'm going to be curious to talk to Matt Sells, who you know he comes back to Georgia to wrestle here and there, so he gets to see. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like hard to see changes in your children if you're with them every day. Right. You, and the next thing you know, they're asking to borrow the keys to the car and you're like, what happened? Because you're there with them every day. But, you know, Matt Sells gets to like sort of go away and come back. I'll be curious to what he has to say about these promotions that he gets to see sort of the sea changes take place every few months. And he's around the Ring of Honor thing, which is, you know, transformed and metamorphosized and become incredibly relevant and all of that kind of stuff. And he's on, he's definitely got his fingers on the pulse of that. And he's one of those guys who I think was doing a great job. You know, when he would put up there's like, it's never sunny and Matt Lana, like finding a way to keep himself sort of relevant in the modern sort of social media era of promotion um, and, you know, what was his inspiration for that and all of that stuff. So it's, it's, it's definitely a fascinating time in wrestling. And did you see the post from, uh, from Dan about he's officially done with wrestling? Yeah, they, yeah I guess, he, yeah, they, you know, for those who didn't see it, they got him to come out and do commentary one last time with John Johnson uh, and yeah, he's calling it a quit. It was, it was a lovely post, and he's you know he's he's really really retired now. So there's another. Yeah, he high roaded it, which I thought was really great. And I mean, clearly, you know, I think you know, just knowing Dan, I mean, Fright Night was clearly going to be his last hurrah. But I think once Berg's injuries, and of course, we wish all the best for Berg and hope everything goes great, uh, and for his recovery. But I think once 
Berg thing wasn't going to happen and sort of scrapped their major plans. I think at that point, Dan just went, why am I doing this? You know, he's got so much going on. I mean, he's in Florida as much as he is anywhere, honestly. He's always down here with his kid and Annie, you know, they're going to Universal, Halloween Horror Nights, and he's got all of his, uh, like, the horror thing that he's doing, and he's all into that, and it's just an interesting time, Larry. It's definitely a, the, the awards this year. I've said it time and time again, and I don't. I I think there's only one award that's a gimme this year. Literally all the rest, it's completely up for grabs, and we're going to see all kinds of names win that have not even been nominated before in years past. So that's going to be fascinating to see. Yeah, I mean, here we are. We two and a half months left in the year, and there, as you say, there's no real clear cut winners uh in 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 almost all the categories and normally you could form up who's who's likely to win and this year really gets you know it's not like that so it's it's going to be interesting in that respect uh one more thing before we bring matt on the air and and along Mm -hmm. along the lines of our awards we're bringing a new staff member onto gwh rob brodicker who's if people have been looking at the uh site have noticed a lot of reports from rob he's really been getting out there and seen a lot of shows, seen a lot of talent and in, in, in writing up stuff. So um, he's in a really good position to um, give some, so some input on the nominees and so forth and help with the process this year. And um, I don't have any update on Brian Slack. Um, when I do, I'll certainly uh, let folks know um, he is out of action with illness and don't know when he's going to be back in action with um, GWH. All right. Well, that, I, it's good news about Rob. Hopefully Brian's doing better. And, you know, Larry, we're already here at awards season. Can you believe that? I mean, we're, we're, we're in mid-October, and November is when we start calling the uh, nominees. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, either Rob will handle that or, if, Larry, if nothing else, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to handle that as well. We'll get those. I, I love the process that you guys have developed over the years, which is, you know, we call the nominees uh, from everybody, and then we have the sort of the short list for each category, and then that goes out for people to vote on. And again, you have to be in the wrestling business. Um, this is not a fan award, which is why it actually matters. And uh, you know, a lot of controversy in the past couple of years about some of the things that have won. But again, if you want to see the change, you got to vote. Uh, and that, you know, not only goes for the GWH awards, but certainly on November sixth. Uh, you know, you know, it's, it's the old the old saying is, uh, if you don't vote, you can't bitch. And uh, that definitely applies to the uh, Georgia Wrestling History Awards. So I'm looking forward to all that. In fact, next show, we're probably going to have. We're just already going to have to start discussing it, aren't we? We're going to have to sort of nail things down. And uh, wow, wow, it's exciting. But speaking of exciting, Larry, yes. Here's the man of the hour himself, as he sometimes refers to himself, uh, the boozer weight. Yes, yes, the boozer weight is now with us. Matt Sells is in the house. Welcome to the tipping point, Matt. Hey, guys, yeah, I, have, I have more nicknames for myself than I do moves I do in the ring, which isn't hard to do when you do, like, two or three things. So, <laughs> How's it going, Matt? How are you doing? I am excellent. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, you know, Larry and I, I don't know if you were listening before, we were sort of talking about how you're a good touchstone because – 
you obviously don't live in Georgia anymore, but you come back here I, I do, on a semi-frequent basis. I actually, I actually just re- relocated back, yeah, and, I, and I was oh, okay. He's dropping in now. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so Matt, what would you? More in the state. Where, like, what would you? There's just so much has changed in wrestling. Um, so, take us like, how many years ago did you leave for like Philadelphia area? How long ago? Uh, was that? About about four and a half years ago. Uh, is okay, when I, I moved away and then and moved back. Yeah. What's the what's what's a couple of things that you know? Obviously, there you know, there's names that change and all that kind of stuff. What's the some of the biggest differences you notice just about anything in Georgia wrestling since you've been away and then now are back on a permanent basis? Uh, the, the, the saturation for one thing, um, I, I saw a hmm. list like right around the time I moved back and I, there were 35 different promotions listed and there's been more that have popped up since then. So I feel like, you know, you've got a, a finite fan base to draw from and you're pulling them in at least 35 different directions and, it kind of hurts every promotion. Um, so that's kind of the major thing I first noticed is, you know, you get, get houses at, at shows that are 40, 50 people, and that's doing well because then there's another show down the street and there's another show tomorrow night and there was a show the night before. And, and so it's kind of hard to, to try to draw big houses. And then what you guys were talking about as far as star power and drawing, yeah, that, that, I think those days of wrestling are gone, that it's, it's based off of promotion and it's based off the fact that it's wrestling on the marquee, that uh, you really don't draw based off star power anymore. Um, and then, like I said, the major thing was the the number of promotions, uh, and then kind of seeing that what hasn't changed uh, was kind of cool too. Mm. It's still a lot of the same promoters and a lot of the same guys on top, and you know, a lot of my same old stomping grounds that I'm making the rounds again with. Yeah. So, man, well, uh, what what are your thoughts as you've been, you know, going around? You you know, you've been around, popped up on more shows than just about anybody. I mean, AWE, GPW, Action Wrestling, APW, and I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch of other ones you've been around to. I mean, you're getting you're you've been a lot of places and seen a lot of talent and a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it, it it's it's interesting to see the different styles, styles of shows, especially just in Georgia. Now you've got AWE that kind of caters to the, the super indie style and what I've been kind of used to being around lately with doing stuff for ring of honor. And then of course you've got uh, other stuff that runs out, outside of the city, obviously that caters to your more traditional Southern Georgia wrestling, uh, having worked for like GPW uh, and APW and stuff like that. Uh, and then you got, companies like action that are kind of a hybrid of the two so it's kind of neat to see the the melting pot of pro wrestling just in the state and i'm loving just kind of staying in the state taking a lot of bookings because four and a half years i've uh wrestled in 19 states i believe so it's nice to go hey uh i'm gonna stay fairly local this weekend and go oh geez this one's an hour away instead of 10 hours away nice Matt, do, Matt, do you when miss- you went up I'm I'm sorry when you when you went up to the East Coast I know I know Larry's got questions but uh, here's mine this is something I'm very curious about when you went up there um, did you did you feel like you had advantages in certain ways like other other guys that like I've trained or dealt with when they would wrestle elsewhere they were often surprised at how proficient they were at something that guys that they wrestled with tended not to be and that surprised them was there anything like that for you now obviously you were you were thrown in a much bigger pond than most of the guys, right? You're trying to get into Ring of Honor, and you got to do things with them and other promotions up there. Did you have feel like you had any advantages going in there? 
Yeah, definitely. Like working with uh, the smaller promotions, uh, I feel this way a lot. A lot of places, I feel like I have an edge with storytelling and being able to do, you know, kind of the, the less is more mentality, and especially being in the Northeast and enjoying working the Memphis style and doing some of the ha-ha bullshit and being able to do slower storytelling stuff. I think they gave me an advantage to help stand out a little bit. Um, and then you, you, the old adage in wrestling, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. Um, I think once I finally figured out how to do that, that helped me really look, look head and shoulders above some of the people I was working with. Uh, and then being able to take what I'd learned working in Georgia for so long and then going up there and training with, in the Ring of Honor dojo, uh, it kind of gave me sort of a hybrid style of going, okay, I'm working more of a strong style now on top of doing, integrating the storytelling stuff to, that uh, I've done in the past. Matt, what would you say the the top things were you took away from the training at the Ring of Honor Dojo? Uh, getting out of my comfort zone um, is, I think, the major thing. It's so easy to, you know, you work the same promotions, you work the same people, uh, and there's always people that, that knock that mentality. Um, and you, you get com- comfortable, big fish, small pond, and you go up there and you're working with the elite of the elite and working with, you know, fantastic trainers. And at first, I felt like I didn't belong. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, so really learning to make myself feel uncomfortable and having to elevate my game uh, was my main takeaway. And then just learning how to work a different style, um, it, it just a different style of putting together a match um, and a different way of, of entertaining the crowd, a little bit of different psychology because so much of their stuff now with, with their TV is, is presented, you know, more like a sport and there's less of the yeah. baby-faced heel and it's more of, you know, shades of gray and just an athletic competition between two people. But then also being able to integrate the goofy stuff that I enjoy doing and, and being able to work as a heel in front of a crowd that doesn't want to boo anybody and then making them boo me is <laughs> always fun. You know, Matt, you know, part of our discussion tonight is going to be about, like, integrating theater or stand-up. Um, and speaking of, you know, working out of your comfort zone, so obviously you did stand-up when you were in Georgia. One, I'm I'm curious if you're planning to do that some more. And then I, I don't – honestly, I don't remember the last time I saw um, um, Nothing Sunny Matt Lana. Like, are, did you stop doing them, or have I just oh, happened no, they, to they, they, them? They, Every Thursday afternoon, you just uh, just happen to miss them. So go ahead. Oh, okay. Because I was just like, because that's something I get always counted on in my uh, Facebook feed. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay, no, they're, they're, cool. They're, yeah, they're posted uh, posted every week. I'll, I'll shoot you a link too of uh, I'll keep them as a playlist on YouTube, so you can sort of sit oh, down and binge awesome. watch. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I, of course, you know, I love that stuff, right? I mean, I, that's that's right in my wheelhouse. Do what? Talk about talk about wanting to do stand up, wanting to work out of your comfort zone, and and those videos, which I think uh, like that's where wrestling is. And it's great to see somebody who's sort of on top of that. Um, what have the reactions been to the videos in particular and just all of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I started doing stand-up, uh, Jesus, probably, God, when did I, I blow out my knee? It was like five, six years ago. And that's the reason I started doing stand-up is I, I tore my ACL, had to have surgery, and was going to be out of the ring for a while. And so I'd always said, hey, I want to do stand-up. And I figured that was the perfect time to do it. Uh, I needed something to kind of scratch that performance itch and scratch that creativity itch. Uh, so my goal was to do just one open mic, and I did it and thoroughly enjoyed it. And 
got good feedback from the host and a lot of the other comedians, so I continued to do it. Uh, and then when I got back in the ring, uh, it kind of fell by the wayside because I was, you know, spent, obviously spending more time uh, training during the weeks and going and, you know, staying out all night at clubs doing open mics and obviously much more time on the weekends at shows. And then I uh, shattered my ankle and had to have my ankle reconstructed a couple of years ago when I was in Philly. So I started doing some stand-up again in the Philly area. Um, so I always say I want to get back into stand-up, but that sounds pretty bad because that means I'm anticipating an injury at some point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, because I mean, it's it's hard, you know. I, I got all, all these things I want to have my hands in, and you, you have a finite amount of time. But uh, yeah, I definitely would love to to get back and do a, a few more open mics at some point in the near future. So be on the lookout for that because Atlanta is a great scene for it. There's plenty of bars that host comedy nights, and of course, the Laughing Skull Lounge, which is my favorite place to perform. And it's such a you know diverse group of comedians always go through that area. Um, and then speaking to the It's Never Sunny in Atlanta videos. Um, uh, as you know, uh, coming from a performance background, a lot of comedy comes from tragedy and suffering and depression. Um, so I, the, the intent with that was just to do one video, sort of like with the stand-up. I was uh, irritated and pissed off about something and thought it would be funny to film uh, sort of a promo-style video uh, in the style of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is my all-time favorite show. And I filmed it. And I sent it to a couple of people that I knew within Ring of Honor and a couple other people and was advised not to post it because <laughs> they were scared I would get heat. Um, so I tinkered with the video and did another one and uh, kind of made fun of that fact of that everybody in professional wrestling really has no sense of humor about themselves and it's so easy to get heat. Uh, and so put that out and people thought it was funny. Uh, and then I just decided, okay, well, let's see if I can do some more of these. And I did a few more. And people enjoyed it. I was like, okay, well, I like a challenge. Let's see if I can do 50 of them. Uh, and then I got to the 50th episode, and I was like, okay, I'll kill off my character. And I was like, nope, I enjoy doing this. So I uh, kind of yanked the, uh, the Vince McMahon limo thing for that 50th episode. And much like the Vince McMahon limo scene in the 50th episode, I just – one week decided not to uh, not to acknowledge it anymore, and my character was live again. So right now the goal is to do 100. Uh, and I, episode 82 will will debut this week. So wow, I'm hoping to do at least 100. Uh, so, yeah, I try, I try to do them. I, I always call them seasons. I do 10 at a time and then try to take a week off. Uh, I think I've missed one week uh, besides the, those anticipated weeks. Uh, so it, it keeps me uh, wanting to take bookings. A lot of times if you see me popping up a lot of places, I was wanting to take that weekend off, but I go, damn it, I don't have footage. <laughs> I've got to go work a show this weekend and try to put something together. Uh, so it keeps mm -hmm. me busy with wrestling. And some of my favorite episodes uh, have come from getting irritated about something within the business instead of trying to come off as a you know salty and bitter, you know, curmudgeon asshole about it. I'm like, I'll turn it into something funny. Uh, so I've done, all, you know, stuff making fun of the shitty paydays in wrestling and making fun of being super busy in wrestling and, and everything like that. So it's, it's therapeutic, much like doing stand-up. Uh, and and like, like Platinum said, you know, it's – this day and age, it's all about being able to promote yourself via social media. Um, you know, Zach Ryder was one of the first first guys that did it with uh, his YouTube show, and now it seems like everybody does it. You know, the uh, Cody and the Bucks and everybody do a wonderful job with with the elite. Uh, it just annoys me that they're able to get 300 views on shows that are you know 40 minutes long, and <laughs> my web show is a minute and a half at the most usually. So if I could get you know 10% of the guys that watch their stuff, you know, take a minute out of your day yeah. and watch my shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But, you know, there's hey, something uh, to uh, – I'm sorry, Larry. I keep cutting no, you off. No, go ahead. But, but something I'm interested in is I, I think the discipline of, of sticking to a thing and doing it over a long period of time, it's, it's one thing definitely wrestling can learn from theater or stand-up because those are grinded out fields. Just any kind of performance outside of pro wrestling is about grinding it out, figuring out the mistakes, trying things out, failing, and then you keep going. In wrestling, I think another thing about the modern game that isn't so great, and I don't know if this is because of, like, internet wrestling fans or what, but guys are just throttled for making a mistake. It's like it's deemed like the worst thing that can happen. Oh, you did a screw-up in a match. We're going to chant at you. You know, like, this push didn't work, or this heel turn didn't take, or this guy isn't as over as he should be. So you crucify them for it. There's just no room in wrestling for mistakes. And I, yeah, I just I, think, I think it's yeah, one of the most like tragic mic- things going. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling's like a, a microcosm of society, I think. I think, yeah, it's definitely the... Mm the era of living in where everything's filmed. So people are less likely to take chances. Uh, I'm sure it probably works similar in, in comedy now, probably not as bad because uh, there's a certain subsection of wrestling fans that are awful <laughs> and that like booing people, yeah. and like seeing people to, you know, like being able to chant you fucked up and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it, ma- it makes it difficult to try to, you know, you, again, you get into your comfort zone and you don't want to branch out because you're scared. You might, you know, you, you might screw up and it's going to be on video for everybody to see and everybody's going to make fun of you. Um, and you may not, maybe it screwed up that one time or that spot fell flat one time because you worked it in front of that particular crowd. But if you had tried it again at a different show down the road, it might, you know, might've gotten you noticed and it could have been the thing that caused your career to take off. And, and that's kind of sad. Um, I don't know if you read Mike Quackenbush's book that he put out, I think it was earlier this year or last year. But uh, he kind of talks hmm. about that uh, in one of the chapters. It's a really short, quick read. But uh, he talks about, you know, if you've got a spot or you've got a character, or you've got a move or something, uh, doing it at least 10 times with 10 different opponents in front of 10 different crowds to gauge the reaction, not just going, oh, well, it screwed up this time. Uh, and so I'm kind of a fan of that, of, of seeing, you know, how stuff plays to different audiences. Because there's spots, obviously, that I'm going to do if I'm going to work APW that I wouldn't do if I'm working AWE, that I certainly wouldn't do if I'm working Ring of Honor and vice versa. Right. Speaking of uh, fear, do you get more nervous about wrestling or about stand-up or do you not get nervous about either one? Uh, stand up when I first started doing it, uh, I would get mildly nervous. Like I get like an adrenaline rush. I, I think would be the best way to describe it. Uh, I don't get nervous wrestling anymore unless it's like a, a huge high stakes match or unless it's something dangerous. Like if I'm working some crazy 500 way ladder match where I know I'm probably going to get hurt, I get a little bit nervous. Um, my first match back, uh, after I, uh, after ankle surgery was the pre-show, uh, before final battle for ring of honor, which is their biggest pay-per-view of the year. I was a little nervous with that <laughs> just because I hadn't wrestled in seven months and it was in the ECW arena. So I knew the crowd was going to shit on me regardless. And, and, uh, it was for ring of honor. Uh, but for the most part, I don't get nervous with, with stuff like that. Um, I, 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 I like performing, so I feel m- more comfortable uh, performing. Uh, I always tell people, uh, I think it's the reason I've enjoyed teaching in the past. I think it's the reason I enjoy wrestling and stand up and everything. I'd much rather talk at you than talk with you. <laughs> Switching back to uh, the Georgia scene for a second, 
you have any 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 who's impressed you? Who's jumped out at you as you've come back, gone back around the horn in all these various places? Um, any particular talents that have uh, made an impression on you? Oh, geez. Uh, I'm trying to think all the people I've, I've come across lately. I, I know a lot of people that I worked with before I left and then coming back and seeing them. I've seen people that have improved leaps and bounds. Um, always, I was a huge fan of working with Drew Adler. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, some of my favorite matches were against him, and he's even better now from what I've seen. So I, I, I love Drew. Um Cody Vance, who I knew Cody before he moved to Georgia. Uh, obviously, I trained with him at uh, One Fall Power Factory, which is where I'm heading right after this, so a cheap plug for their school. Um, <laughs> I think he's great, and he's got a good look, and he, I think he's young, uh, and he's fairly new to the business, so he's very moldable. Uh, he, he, you know, he looks like what they would love to sign in the developmental. Um, Alan Angels, I'm a big fan of. I like the style that he works, and he, he's, again, young. He's 20. You know, he's, he's got his whole career ahead of him. Uh, so there's just some people that kind of stand out to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to have five, 500 guys go, go and go, what the fuck, man? You didn't put me over. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, you made some good choices, though. I mean, I think I agree on all the, all those guys for sure, for sure. Um, so um, what else you got going on? Oh, geez, I, I stay busy. I try to update my schedule uh, pretty much every week on my Twitter at all cells final A L L S C L L S F I N A L. It's updated on my Facebook. If you're Facebook friends with me, the Instagram's the same thing. Uh, so what have I got going on? Uh, like I said, I'm actually heading to training in just a second at One Fall Power Factory. That's my new training home, and uh, a lot of good things are going on with that school. And we're doing monthly shows there, and uh, just started the uh, heavyweight title tournament uh, that will continue on November 16th. Uh, so let's see my schedule. Uh, this Friday, I'm at APW. Uh, the following Friday, I'm at APW for APW's Nightmare on Cherry Street, their uh, annual big yeah. Halloween show. Uh, November 3rd, I'm at Pro Wrestling Bushido, part of the King of Bushido tournament. Uh, and uh, November 10th, Bushido is actually running at Minicon in Augusta, which is a Augusta Comic-Con preview, so that should be interesting. Uh, and, and working in that environment. Uh, November 16th, I am uh, doing the always fun, make myself feel like a professional wrestler by doing a double shot in one night where I'll be at nice. uh, One Fall Wrestling for round two of the heavyweight title tournament, followed by uh, Total Aggression Pro Wrestling at, in Nakuchi, I believe. Uh, I'm back at uh, uh, Georgia Premier on November 17th, and then I'm sure there's going to be other stuff. I'm going to fill in there, as always, because uh, I always say, oh, I'm not going to take too many bookings. I'm going to kind of take it easy this month. And then I look at my schedule and go, well, shit, I guess I was lying. Uh, and on top right. of that, of course, every Thursday across all my social media, it's never sunny in Matlana, uh, so everybody can take a minute out of their Thursday afternoon uh, and giggle or not giggle or laugh uproariously or just shake their head at my stupid sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Is there, um, God, I mean, it's it's great that you're back. It's great that you got such a busy schedule. Um, what's something that what's what's one thing that you definitely can say? Yeah, you know, four and a half years ago I went there. Now I'm back. What's something that you sort of what's what's knowledge and wisdom that you bring from the promised land of Ring of Honor, or just to your experience up there? Uh, that 
to no matter where you're at or what you think the style is of an area or the style is of a company or what a company's looking for, do what you do best and you'll stand out. Um, that was yeah. the, the biggest problem I had when I first started going to the Ring of Honor camps is obviously I thought there's a Ring of Honor style, and there sort of is. Uh, obviously, if you watch it, it's definitely much different than watching WWE, which is, you know, much different than New Japan. Uh, so I thought I had to go up there and, you know, at the time, you know, go up there and work like a Roderick Strong or a Davey Richards. And the problem with that is, is they're Roderick Strong and they're Davey Richards, and they're really good at what they do. I'm really shitty at trying to work that style, so it looks bad. <laughs> uh, but once I figured out, hey, this is who Matt Sexel is, this is who the rock and roll model is and the booster weight is, and, and realized that, you know, character work and character development and talking and, and integrating a little bit of humor and kind of, you know, rejoicing in the fact that, that uh, I, I don't mind uh, playing the ass, uh, which a lot of people don't want to do in wrestling. I think that helped me out a lot. Uh, I honestly, uh, injuring my ankle, uh, helped out tremendously. It's one of those blessings in disguise. Uh, not that I hmm. ever was, you know, a high flyer or anything super crazy. Um, but it made me really think about how my in-ring style needs to work. Uh, cause I, I, I came back and I was still limping. Uh, and so I hmm. wasn't able to do a, a lot of stuff. Uh, that's actually where the, the strut that I started doing before each match came from is I was trying to cover up the fact that I was limping. So I was like, I'll just strut everywhere. Um, so it really made me that old, again, old adage, the, the work smarter, not harder and work a slower, more methodical style and really work on my strikes. Uh, so that I think that helped a lot. Cool. That's great. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on. You know, Larry, when he was like, you know, Matt's going to be on and we're going to talk about him and, you know, relation to stand-up comedy and theater, and it's it's everything I wanted it to be. And, and uh, I'm I'm glad you're back, and I wish you all the success. And it's got to be fun to be back and be the guy who, you, you know, you're not – you're not a rookie and you know, you've been doing it for a good amount of time and you're the guy that kind of went out and wrestled in 19 different States. And, uh, so I think George is better for having you here. So I wish you all. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. It's fun being back, being back and get to be the, the salty and bitter vet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which, which is also appropriate since you were talking about Georgia doesn't seem to take care of their, their legends and people don't seem to care about it. So, <laughs> so I can't wait until I reach, reach that. That's my goal one day is for nobody to give a shit about me. Nice. <laughs> 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 sit at that, sit at that autograph. I, to, I feel like that's the, that's the most Georgia you know. wrestler thing I could do. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so oh, uh, and, and I finally wrote a report where he actually said some things about you. I guess I'll have to retract. Oh my God! To... Like yeah, after 16 years, yeah, I seriously <laughs> looked at it. several different people. It was like Goodman actually not only like said some some nice stuff about me, but there was actually just stuff there. Uh, <laughs> there was an actual paragraph about about my match, other than because yeah, I I shit you not. Like the funniest thing was the first. Uh, time I worked for Ring of Honor in Atlanta. I'd worked for them some, but obviously you weren't there. Uh, but when I worked in Atlanta, like it was, or no, it was when I made my debut in Nashville against Artie Evans. And so it was like all of these, you know, paragraphs of each match and paragraphs of each match. It was like Artie Evans defeated Matt Sills in four minutes and 13 seconds or whatever. Oh, okay. That's all too appropriate. And I, and I always wanted you just to bury me at least. Like, I was like I'd, I'd much rather you hate me than be indifferent. <laughs> like being in the ring, you know? Like, I, I, if you're going to boo me, and, and at least can't you fucked up at me as opposed to just sitting there on your hands. So. <laughs> mm. 
Hey, my thanks, hope thanks is a that lot, Larry. Man. Yeah, absolutely. My hope is that Larry, um, whenever he decides to not go to wrestling shows or write reports anymore, I hope that you go to the worst show of all time sometime before you stop writing about it. I just want to read an old-fashioned Larry Goodman hated your show, and he's not going to be polite about it. I just want one more, you know. It's like when Larry Roger Ebert go, got sick. It's just like, I just want my a memorial show and somehow not mention me in the report. That That's my goal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've actually had invitations to go to shows to do that, and I've declined them. Where somebody knew a show was going to be really bad and asked me to go and bury it, and I, I really don't enjoy doing that. <laughs> but maybe just maybe for old time's sake, I'll do one. <laughs> or you can just fake one. Didn't didn't AWE cancel their like season ticket holder fan show or what? <laughs> you just write a fictional one for that. So. <laughs> Yeah, you need to just like review an EFED or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can just well, set, uh, set up sim and sim matches on like WWE 2K19 and review those. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot for being on, Matt. Best of luck with everything, and hopefully you'll be injury free in 2018 and 2019. That's, that's the plan. Good. So yeah, yes, everybody go ahead and just vote for me for every Georgia Wrestling History Award and just make it easy on yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, thank you so much for having me. Have a great show. Sure, thank you. sure, thanks. Well, Larry, that was great. That was a great conversation. And uh, so I know, you know, we had a discussion last night, Larry and I did, about a possible future guest. I really hope you get him. Uh, it's been a it's been a little while since we've had sort of a crackpot on. I'm kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of, I'm kind of feeling a little rusty. I kind of want to go in into an interview with a crackpot. So, can you do your best to line one up for us? <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do about that. I'm also uh, uh, have lined up for future engagements. Uh, Calvin Tankman from mm. IWA and uh, AWE, and also Kylie Ray, who's who's kind of making a name for herself, and she's going to be returning to AWE. As far as like yeah. some out of state people to, to just to change things up a bit. A um, couple notes before we depart here, uh, since we. Had our last show the uh, well I guess no I guess we do just didn't talk about it on the last show that the first uh, Southern Honor wrestling event took place yeah. um, and uh, some controversy there the um, owner made some comments uh, Gary, Gary Lamb about uh, putting GPW out of business in a, in a video he posted and then posted a statement afterwards that it was really more of a joke um, but. Clearly, some people haven't taken it as a joke. So, nice. um, and how many hits do those videos have, Larry? Uh, the the video and the his follow up uh, statement both have about two thousand views, <laughs> uh, for, which for GWH is pretty 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 good. So, um, definitely a, a, a controversial character, um, uh, owner Gary Lamb. And uh, you know another subject for another day is the combination of uh, comb co combining religion with wrestling because he is a minister too. So um, uh, interesting guy. Um, upcoming events. 
Mm-hmm. We've got and we've got a lot more than this, and I'm sorry for you know insulting anybody that I don't mention. But the ones that come to mind: Saturday night, uh, Southern Fried. Sunday, the debut of AWE in Jonesboro, Georgia. Mm. Yes, and then the following weekend's a big one: Action Wrestling on Tyrone on Friday night, Fright Night Saturday night in Cornelia. Sunday. Return to action of AWE. Maybe I have that wrong. Is that the Opera Nightclub date? I might have that wrong. I don't think that's right. Sorry. Check that. So we got some stuff. We got some stuff coming up. Right on. Big wheels keep on turning. Um, where are you going to? Are you planning to be anywhere this weekend? Wrestling. Probably one? Southern Fried looks the most appealing, and. Um, of course, another thing upcoming is, and I'm hoping for the best for them, is Peach State uh, gets back on Saturday nights in November out in okay. uh, Carrollton because they've been it's been tough for them running on Thursday nights. I want to get the correction on that uh, AWE date if I can here because that's yes, uh, yes. I, I was uh, let me correct. That's November 11th is the uh, AWE okay. return to the um, Opera Nightclub. Great. Well, Larry, thank you so much. And, you know, next show, hopefully Larry can line up a crackpot, at least one. And we're going to definitely talk about the Georgia Wrestling History Awards. Again, you know, Larry and I will we'll, we'll huddle up at GWH and for sure know which categories are going on. And we'll start talking about them. And you, your job, people listening, is your job is to get those nominees in once we call for them. It's going to be a very fascinating year, and uh, you definitely want to be a part of it. And we're going to talk about it here on The Tipping Point. Thanks, everybody. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.